Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, which probably should be renamed the Feminist Tennis Podcast, because two weeks ago we had the first all-female tennis podcast with myself and Alex Ramsey. Last week we had Martina Navratilova as a guest, the queen of tennis, and this week we have another all-female tennis podcast. I'm so delighted to say I'm joined by esteemed tennis journalist Carol Bouchard, formerly of L'Equipe, now freelance writing for all sorts of people, including Le Parisien. Carol, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for for the invitation. Thank you for the nice words too. Happy to be joining. And it's particularly appropriate because we're here in France at Roland Garros. We're in in the media cafe, as as glamorous as that sounds. It is less glamorous than it sounds. But we're still very lucky to be here. Carol, how many Roland Garroses have you done now? And... As a local, tell me what makes this place so special. How many? It's a good question. I think first one as a working journalist was maybe 2008, so it would be seven already. But I was coming before as a as a simple fan, so I'm not that old. <laughs> I think what it, what makes it special, I think. When the sun is here, you have a very traditional kind of typical French vibe. So that's really, that's really cute. The site is beautiful. Now it's a little bit too packed, but it's still beautiful. And the red clay and you know the French food. And I, I think it could be like when the sun is here, it's really, really beautiful and, and super French. When it's raining, it's also French because we have a lot of rain, but it's less glamorous. <laughs> Not always glamorous. It's not. We have to. We have to work hard here. So you've yeah. been. You've been here as a fan and as a journalist. What's better? Oh, that's an impossible question. Impossible I know. Question. But I still as a journalist because you really see how it works backstage. You have a different contact with the players, and you really understand how this tennis crazy world is working. So I still say yeah, as a journalist because you. I'm curi- I'm a curious person, so I now I know how it's inside. <laughs> We know, and uh, for better or worse, we know, and there's no going back. <laughs> Let's talk about the draw, because yeah. it was done yesterday, and uh, there was so much build-up, wasn't there, particularly to the men's draw, with Rafa being mm. seeded six. That was, that was the name that everyone was looking at to be picked out, and lo and behold, mm. he's in Novak Djokovic's yeah. quarter, and then yesterday he did his pre-tournament media before, uh, just after the draw was done, and he said, look, I'll just be happy if I get to that quarterfinal. What are your thoughts on that potential matchup? I think this is so, such a brutal draw. I mean, it's brutal for Novak, it's brutal for Nadal, it's terrible for Andy too, but it's exciting for people. Even if it's, in my opinion, it's a pity to maybe have Djokovic in a quarterfinal, so they have to go to this quarterfinal, maybe thinking too much about it. 
it's not a good thing. So when they say first match, one match at a time, maybe this time, yes, you have to do it. Because if you just, especially Novak, if you keep thinking of, Lord, I have, I have Rafa coming, I have Rafa coming. I mean, emotionally-wise, he has never won here. So it's adding maybe pressure. And for Rafa, well, it's tough. But at the same time, his whole season has been tough. So I think for him, it's like, okay, if I go there, it will be already maybe that I'm playing well. And if he goes there playing well, he has, he has beaten Djokovic every time in Paris. So maybe if he goes to this quarter, it won't, it won't be as stressful for him as for Djokovic, who is the number one player in the world, has been winning all the major titles this season. And maybe he's supposed to win this time. So I hope we are going to arrive to this matchup. I hope they will be there. It would be a crazy atmosphere, that's for sure. But this part of the draw is just so packed because... Andy is here, looming. Fair is here too. Everybody is here, basically, except Federer and Nishikori. So, the one who's going to get out of this side of the draw, wow, well done. Chapeau, as we say in France. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's very interesting you say that, actually, because uh, David Law, my usual co-host, um, sent me through his thoughts earlier, and he said, actually, he thinks it's... As, pa- as stacked as that portion of the draw looks for Djokovic, yeah. it's so. It, the sooner he meets Nadal, for him, the better. So actually, yeah, I can understand because maybe it's better to play Rafa in the quarters than in the final. Because if he arrives in the final against Nadal, he has never lost a final in Paris. So the, and it means he's still playing well. He has he had time to build the confidence. So playing him in the final, you're going to play a machine. The guy is going to be 100%. He's going to be going to be so good. So maybe playing him earlier, maybe it's better. But at the same time, it will be also early for Novak. And we know the top players, they build their confidence and they bring their, their best game for the later stage, stages. So it can be a win situation for him. I still think it's Paris. Mentally, it's tough. But this season, and the thing which is interesting is like in 2013, he drew Nadal in his half. He refused to talk about it before his presser. We were told, no question, no way, he's not talking about it. This time we were like, okay, what do we do? And we asked him about it and he was absolutely zen, super chilled, smiling, really like, okay, that's the draw. I'm really not scared at all. So I think he has the confidence thinking, whatever, I'm playing him first round, second round, quarters, final, I can do it. That's very interesting. Do you think, given that, given how well he's playing, given how high his confidence is, do you think his Achilles heel could be how much he wants it? Because that was a point that Alex Ramsey made when I recorded the podcast with her a couple of weeks ago. He wants this so much. It will be... It will complete yeah. him as a. It will complete his yeah. career. Yeah. Do you think that's a danger? I think I think that's the key since 2011. Maybe people think he should have won 2011. He should have won 2013. Last year he made himself sick. I mean he threw up on the court because of the nerves. He wants it so bad. I think he feels like he deserves it. Maybe so bad that he has good. Ambi- he's ambitious, but in the good style. I mean he has won everything except this title. He's one of the best clay players since maybe six, seven years. So I think when you want something that bad, it has two effects. You're super motivated, you feel like you're super driven and it can help you. Or also when things maybe don't go well, you can get totally tense, stuck in pressure. I think it's been both. I mean, 2013, it was amazing, but he lost and he turned like crazy. Last year, it was amazing until the final. And after the first set, it was just, he couldn't. 
But now he said, okay, I've stopped obsessing about it. I'm taking it as another tournament. And he's playing so well. He's so confident this season. On, on the paper, he's a favorite. On the paper, he, has, he can win it, of course. But now he's in Paris. The brain is a powerful thing. So it's, uh, maybe it's, it's worse than me actually here. Maybe it's not Rafa, maybe it's himself. Very interesting. Very, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's just such a fascinating draw. I've got it in, in front of me. Do you see anybody giving Djokovic the remotest bit of trouble before that quarterfinal, pe- mm-hmm. potential quarterfinal with Nadal? Yeah. You've got Dimitrov, Jack Sock for, uh, for Grigor Dimitrov there. Or do you see him getting all the way to a fourth rounder with Djokovic? I think I think I, th- I don't think Tomish or Kokinakis. Let's not forget. You know, we always eh, he's a young girl. He doesn't. He's not afraid of anyone. But Novak has so much experience. So I'd say Dimitrov. Even if this season he had so much ups and downs, I wouldn't say so because on the you know on the movements to beat Djokovic on clay, you have to move like crazy. To, you have to have such a solid game. So I don't see. I, I would be the French one saying. Be careful of Gasquet, even if against Djokovic he, had a, he has a terrible record. He's at home, you never know. He's super talented. I'd say, honestly, I don't see, I don't see anyone before the quarters to really upset him. If he's playing as he has been playing the past few weeks, I mean, we've seen the result. He's just unplayable when he, as, as he plays right now. So, but in a so-so day and early rounds, yeah, Gasquet, Kokinakis, Dimitrov, they can, they can push him, but maybe it would be good if he's pushed. Even Niminen for the first one is a lefty, he's super talented too. Before Rafa, I mean, maybe he needs one or two matches to really get into it, because if Rafa is there in front of you in the quarters, he's going to bully you, so you have to really be, be ready. But that's the same for Nadal, I mean, his draw is not a walk in the park either, so the question is, are we really going to have this matchup on the quarters? Can you imagine if we didn't oh, have no, that no. matchup? All the reams of yeah. paper that have yeah. been written in the past 24 hours about that yeah. matchup, which is still yeah. well over a week ago. Yeah. It's 10 days away. It would just be, uh, the world would end if that matchup no, doesn't happen. If it happened the year at Wimbledon, we should have had maybe a, a Federer Nadal and it never happened. But not be unrespectful for the other players, but with the history, maybe Rafa going for the number 10, Novak going to the number one. I mean, we need this match to happen. <laughs> Our lives depend on it, guys. If you weren't motivated enough before, for goodness no, sake, yeah. please, <laughs> please. please. No, no disrespect to anybody else yeah. in that portion of the draw. Looking at the other half of that half, which yeah. you could it's call a quarter stacked. if you were being smart about yeah. it, also stacked. It's, totally. uh, it's Andy Murray's quarter. But look, David Ferrer there. I'm going yeah. gonna to put it out there. Another one of David's thoughts that he sent me is he sees Murray losing to Ferrer in that quarter final. Do you agree? I've seen... I've seen a couple of Ferrer Murray on clay. One here, I think, it's one of the worst opponent on clay for for Murray when he's not on a on a good mood because so many balls are coming back. It's tough to hit through him. But Andy's playing so well. On, I mean, Munich has been amazing. Madrid was really strong. Mentally, he's really into it. But if we look at the draw, actually, his draw is worse than Djokovic to, until this quarterfinal because you can Kyrgios. I mean. Hello, that's going to be a tough one to go through because the kid, he wants to beat them all. He wants to beat them all. If the elbow is leaving him in peace, Isner, nobody wants to face him. Nobody. 
like Rafa, Novak, even when they see him, you know, like, oh my God, no, not again. I think I agree with you. I think, I, for me, that's the one which in the early rounds has, uh, has the most banana skins, as it were. Maybe David Goffin, the young Belgian player, is really pr- improving a lot. He pushed Ferrer to three sets in Rome. Um, it's not a walk in the park, but maybe for Andy Anclay, it's better to know that it's going to be hard, be focused, and your brain has to be into it. But if we have Murray and if we have Nadal and Djokovic all at this stage of the tournament, I mean, the winner could come out of this stack draw because when you go through so much hurdles, you know, the confidence would be huge for the guy who is going to be in the final. So looking at the other half, the easier half, the, abs- the, yes. the by comparison... <laughs> This stroll in the park half of the draw. Yeah, it's it is still tricky. My guess would be that Kane Shikori and Thomas Berlich yesterday threw a little party in the evening uh, just to celebrate how great the yeah. draw was for them. Yeah. Thomas Berlich has reached the quarterfinals or better mm-hmm. of every event he's played this season. He's going to do the same again, isn't he? I would say yes, but we know Thomas. We know that sometimes. His brain and nerves can be tricky on himself, but this season he's been really steady. And you talk to him and he's really serene. And he, I think Valverde is doing a great job with his mental state because he has understood how good he could be again, that his career is not over. Okay, before he's here, but he has a, a, something to play for here. And it could be a massive surprise, I would say. I'd say Nishikori has maybe the chance of his life right now. But that's tricky because he knows it. I mean, you're not in the Nadal, Djokovic, Moray side, you can't blow it. If you, if you blow this side, if you don't go to the semi-final or final, like, wow, what, what, the, what mess I have I done of, my, of myself. So. And, and the Grand Slam final that he has reached that propelled him yeah. into being a yeah. person that we're talking about for these sure. titles, sure. it was the opposite situation, wasn't it? He, he had yeah. a statue, he had Djokovic in the semi-finals, no one gave him a chance right. there, whereas now, the now... Now the pressure is on his shoulders, maybe for the first real time of his career, but he's, I mean, he's an amazing player, even on clay, even if on hard court it's better for me. But and he has... I think now he knows how good he can be. He knows he can he can go all the way. So with this kind of draw, if he owns it, really he can do some damage. And I mean Roger, Roger. Yes, I don't know if he had champagne or, or <laughs> something, but I'm sorry. This is this is a good draw. Even if Memphis, that's well, not good. That's the one. That's, that's the, the one. one because yet again I have all my notes in front of me. David Law predicts yeah. Monfils to beat Federer. I think it's round yeah, four that they would meet. Yeah. Well, he beat him in Monte Carlo after a really good match. And Gael, his, his whole career is for Roland Garros. He dreams Roland Garros, he eats Roland Garros, he wants to win this. I mean, I think he would prefer to play Rogers and Nadal or, or Djokovic because he has a terrible record against them. So that may be the biggest hurdle I see for Federer with, uh, no, no, I mean, Stan. It depends on Stan too. It's, it, are we going to see the Vavrinka of last year or are we going to see the Vavrinka with so up and down and kind of... It's been like such a bizarre yeah, season. Yeah. It, it, even just the clay court season for Vavrinka has been so bizarre, hasn't it? Against Nadal in Rome, he was magnificent. And then... but. We, a week before that in Madrid and in Monte Carlo against Dimitrov that was one of the most woeful performances uh, I've seen that's the worst Vavrinka match I've seen since decade it was certainly against but he wasn't there I mean the mind wasn't there and, and for him it's really if he can't be really focused 100% on his tennis with the risk he's taking it's going to be all over the place so I was really surprised he lost in Geneva against 
Delbonis because he was playing really well in Rome, but Rome against Rafa, it was, the tiebreak was unbelievable. And the, the day after against Roger, it, it was shocking bad. But he's a really nice guy. So you see, he's trying, he wants to, he's so talented, but it's not, it's not a tennis question right now. It's really putting mentally into it, focus on the tennis, forget about the rest, and just trust yourself. And that the toughest thing I think for him to do is trusting him even in, in bad days but if he can go through some rounds and arrive to Roger or Gael after four or five it's going to be really dangerous he's actually got a decent draw yeah. through until yeah, the quarters yeah. his his uh, his sort of 16th is actually uh, fairly uh, fairly attractive for him but it's so then once he gets into the quarters yeah but if he gets to the quarters the confidence will be here he won't be thinking again oh my god is my tennis going to respond you're in the quarterfinal for Grand Slam okay you're that good if he's going if he's gone if he if he reaches that point he could be a menace too He's, he's still that player that can beat anyone on his day, isn't totally. he? He is still totally. that guy. With this, with this kind of backhand, with the, the heavy power, with the, all the weight he puts in the ball. I mean, no one wants to face a, a hundred percent motivated and, and good Vavrinka because he's, he's a real danger. But is he going to be that guy? That's the question. Well, let's turn our attention quickly to the women's draw, which, just to help us out here in the media centre, is printed on pink paper. The the men's draw is printed on blue paper. No gender stereotyping going on in France. (laughs) Couldn't possibly accuse the French ever of that. The women's draw. Now let's talk Serena Williams, number one seed. We've... Any discussion we have about Serena, the conclusion seems to be, if she wants to win it, if she's fit, she wins it. But then the draw comes out. And it's Roland Garros. And the consensus seems to be with Serena, she is most vulnerable in the early rounds. If she gets through to semis final, it's hers if she wants it. And so let's look at her early rounds. And bam, and bam, you see what? You see again, Victoria Azarenka. Honestly, I'm tired of seeing Azarenka with such a damn bad draw. But that's because of the the, the rank, I understand. But I've seen the match in in Madrid and Victoria is playing so well again. she needs that kind of win badly to, you know, to get back to her, her vintage style. But that's the only, for me, that's the only player who can beat and push Serena Williams in a Grand Slam or anywhere. Because Maria Sharapova, of course, is going to be here fighting as usual. A huge respect for that. But honestly, that's not working against Serena. The only one who has been here year after year pushing Serena has been Vika. Wozniacki last season was surprising. So it's a pity that. They're going to face what? Third round again? Or something? Third round. Third round. But that's a blockbuster. That's a blockbuster. That's not a good draw at all for Serena. But if she passes this on clear at Roland Garros, you're like, okay, I'm on it. It's hers. But then, then she has either Venus or Sloane Stevens likely in the fourth round. Not a challenge. US people are not going to like me here, but the rivalry made between Serena and Sloane for me is non existent. She beat him one time. And since then, Serena has just been telling her, oh, look who's the boss here. And she's winning time after time. So maybe on clay she can do better, but beating 100% Serena Williams, I don't see it. Venus, Venus on a really great day, and because that's special, because they're sisters, why not? But honestly, when you look at the draw, I see only... We can have surprise. I mean, she lost against uh, Garbine Muguruza here last year, so who would have predicted it? But her draw is not that bad, except for Victoria Azarenka being, ar- being around. 
Well, let's look at the... Let's just turn it... Well, hang on a second. She would potentially meet uh, Petra Kvitova in the semis. I know that's jumping yeah. ahead majorly, yeah. but you said Vika's the only person that could beat her, but Petra beat Petra her roundly yeah, in the, Madrid. Madrid. But Madrid, but... I mean, Petra is amazingly talented. She can beat her because she can eat winners, she can serve well. I don't think she can move as well as Vika to make her miss because at some point you also have to, to make Serena miss. Madrid was really weird. So many unforced errors. So, but of course, I mean, because Petra is different. She's going to attack a lot. She's going to come to the net. She's going to put pressure on her. So maybe the stress she provoked can pay off. But I, I still think that to beat Syria, you have to make her work. So you have to make her run. You have to to create a lot of long situations to to tie her a lot. So no one does that better than Vika. Well, in a good day, but the serve is also. Looking at the uh, upset alert, yeah. my eye is drawn immediately to Eugenie Bouchard. Now, maybe looking yeah. at recent form for yeah. Bouchard, yeah. your namesake, I'm sorry to do this <laughs> to your namesake, maybe looking at recent form uh, to call yeah. Eugenie Bouchard losing early is not an upset, but terrible draw for her. She's been drawn against Kiki Mladenovic, mm. uh, French player, yeah. very talented, player? particularly good on the clay. Last year, I'm not saying uh, something stupid. And she's in the final in Strasbourg, so that's a bad draw for both. I think for Eugenie, at, uh, maybe I'm, doing, I'm saying something idiot, but at this point, when she's searching so much for her confidence, let's have a bad draw because you don't have any more, any more pressure. You're not maybe supposed to win because it's a tough draw, so you're not playing somebody like you should crush one-on-one. -on -one. You're playing a tough person, so okay. I can lose. It's not going to be... Wow. Have you, did you see to who you, you lost? No, you're losing against Madinovic. Well, Lina did. So maybe she can go into it like, okay, I have, I have a bad draw. Just let's play because she's also have maybe somewhere Kuznetsova looming. Or oh, look at... Seriously, look at Karolina Pliskova this year again and Madison. I don't know physically if she's fit, but this Karolina Pliskova, maybe people don't know her that much. She is so good. She is just so good. She can she can be the, the surprise here. Maybe the same. How far can she go? Look at her draw. I mean, honestly, on the, on the talent, Clay, I, I understand that Clay isn't maybe her best surface, but with the power she has, the serve she has, the draw isn't that bad for her. So, because Bouchard is not, is number six, but the girls are not. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court Susan Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Not afraid of her anymore. She has a semi-final to defend, so it's not like you're not drawing Serena or Maria, so... Please cover that could be the new surprise after Bouchard last year, but also don't bury Eugenie too, too soon because there's talent in there, there's a pride too. I think if she can wake up this season, that could be here. This is, oh, this is so interesting. Let's just quickly turn our attention to the second half of the draw. You've obviously got Simona Halep in there, uh, Maria Sharapova. I think yeah. the story with Maria, I don't know if you'd agree, is she can be anybody except Serena. That's the easy thing to do to say, but that's true. And the final of the Australian Open, she played the best match of her life, maybe except the Wimbledon when she won. And she's still losing in, in two sets. But with Maria, what I like is that she's not going to give up. She's going to try 100%, but she still has to go to this because her draw is not an easy one. I mean, Kaya Kanepi first round is not a good draw. Uh, having Lizzie Kiss st- stirs you around, that's... But Maria, you, even in St. Clair, you could say, oh, she's not the favorite, that's going to be tough. But she's so good right now in Claire. I mean, in Rome, she was not playing her best and still winning. And that means something, so... She still beat Carlos Suarez yeah. Navarro on clay, which was quite amazing. That's amazing. And she, honestly, she wasn't playing that well for a set and a half. And suddenly that just clicked. She fights, she fights, and her level comes back. And with the, the power she has, the speed and the, the, the willpower to win, she's unbeatable at some point, even by players who you could think are better on clay. Like Alep, for me, is a better player on clay. But the willpower and the thing like, I'm going to win this. I can win that. Not a lot of people have this on tour like Sharapova. I see only Serena Williams. Thinking about Halep, how do you think she's going to deal with having a f- uh, final points to defend here with the pressure of the expectation here yeah. for the first time? Really, I know she came in as number three seed mm. last year, but she had rocketed so quickly to that yeah. number three seed. She's not won a lead-up title. Mm. How, how do you see Halep's chances this year? Well, the logic would, would be to say she can go all the way. She can win it. She has the talent. She's been playing amazing for two seasons. My only interrogation is like each time she's been that close to maybe win big, there was so much tension. We, she won Indian West against Jankovic, but she was so tense. But she said, she said it herself, like the, the Australian Open, the collapse, she just couldn't handle it. I was surprised in Rome not to see her go further. So I think it's really on the nerves, on she's really tough on herself like she's missing one or two shots and she's like this is unacceptable I shouldn't that's a bad cycle to go into it so it's really a, a brain and nerves are going to decide how far she can go because we saw when she played the final against Sharapova that was an amazing match I mean she was playing so good but at as each time that's Maria's brain and Wilpo who's, who's doing the, the last job to, to make it work on clay which is surprising and 
props to her for the work she's done on the footwork, the fit. That's an example to, to follow for all the girls. So Simona, she can go all the way and she can also lose early because the pressure would be... She's not used to it. I, I'm not, I don't know if she, she likes this position of being the favorite. I think she's still through learning the process. Like, okay, it's fine to be the favorite. It's okay. I deserve it. I don't think it comes naturally to her personality, does no. it? She's hugely yeah. understated and such a sweet, likeable girl. But but that personality doesn't yeah. necessarily go hand in hand with being and, the, the yeah, blockbuster favorite. Maybe that's also hampering her game because when you're on the court with Serena and Maria, you have to show them that you belong. They have to notice that you're not scared. They have to notice that you're going to be there from first point to last point and that you think you're worse as much as they are. And that's not an easy thing to do. I'm not saying it's easy, but as a rank, I kind of get it. You have to wake them up. Like, I'm here. I matter. So I think Simona has to really... She doesn't have a huge ego, but you have to work on it a little bit because if, if you don't make them doubt, if, you, they're not, if they're not nervous facing you, it's tough. And not, even, not only Serena and, and Maria, but also the other players. She's number two or three in the world. They have to feel like they're, play, they're playing a, a top five player. That's not an easy thing to do. That's one of those things that Bouchard has done so well. And she's been criticised for it, for her attitude. But she walks onto a court and she feels like, I belong. But that's the key. I mean, we see with Kyrgios or Borna Cioric. I mean, you could say, well, who the things they are? But you have to do that at some point. You have to have this this belief because it is so hard. People maybe don't understand how hard is it to to win against those those top players. Of course, there's a limit. We don't want brats and, and delusional people, but... Bouchard has this driving. I know I'm, I'm. I know I'm that good. That doesn't mean people are not good. I just I know I can beat number one. I know I can win Grand Slam. And when you think that and repeat it to yourself day after day, you enter on the court and you're feeling there's an inner confidence. And that sometimes that can make you hit a winner here and there, get a break, get a hold, and that's changed from a second round to a semi-final. But can you work on it, or is it you know? Because Eugenie Bouchard is like she's born like this. Maria, she's like born this way too. So I think you can work on it to a degree. But then nature calls too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Kyrgios was asked about it in his pre-tournament press today. He said it was slightly lost in translation, I think. He was asked about being arrogant and he just dealt with it brilliantly. He said, I'm not arrogant, but I believe in myself yeah, yeah. completely and I'm winning tennis matches that I wouldn't be winning if I, if I didn't yeah. have that belief. So, you know, criticise me all you want. But. but if the player is not believing in himself, who is going to do it for? I mean, it is so competitive right now. You have so much pressure, so many people telling you, you're never going to make it beating this person forget about it if you're not convinced that you're going to do it you're never going to do it I always remember Kyrgios saying after he beat Nadal at Wimbledon last year that his mum didn't think he could do it so he <laughs> believes in himself so yeah, much yeah, that he discards it. even what his own mother yeah. thinks who was believing you could beat Rafa on grass okay Federer on clay I mean honestly that's, but that's the drive that's the, the temper and maybe you push it to an excess but we've seen Decades after decades, Maria was sharper, was like this when she arrived on, on the tour. But after some years, after some wins, after winning big titles, they relax. So it, it would be the same for Eugenie and Fonik. But when you, Djokovic, I mean, when he arrived on the tour, he, was, he wanted to, to down everybody around. But nobody would believe him. Would be like, you're going to be the number three forever. You're going to stay behind Federer. You're going to stay behind Nadal. If at some point he's not like, I'm going to win against you, I'm going to take your spot. That's, that's also a way to convince, convince yourself that you're going to make it. And that's a huge difference. And when you've done it, then you're like, okay, you settle down a little bit and the aggressivity or the arrogance. I don't like arrogance. For me, it's okay. 
to some it's, point. It, in many the, the most positive yeah. way you can put it is, is strength of character, yeah. really. Yeah. It's strength of character. Yeah, it's weeks in, weeks out. You have to prove yourself, to prove people. You have to earn money. You have to find sponsors. I mean, there's, there's not only the tennis side and the winning. There's also the business going around. I mean, there's their own boss so much pressure, pressure on their shoulders I'm glad you have some kids saying I belong here, I mean we have in France a lot of good young players but they don't have this kind of drive and if you don't have this drive you're not working as hard as an Nadal or as a Sharapova or because you're not really convinced that investing this much is going to pay off, if you believe really in yourself you're going to make all the sacrifices needed and you're going to succeed, I believe that So it's f- and it's also fine for people to have I mean, Rafa is a fantastic guy. He's really humble, really nice. But it's also nice to have kind of bad boys or Eugenie or Bouchard or Sharpa who are really confident in themselves because it, you, it's a lot to be both ways. You, you don't have to be super nice. You don't have to be super humble. You can be super arrogant. You can be super confident. And you, you can be not a friendly person, and it's okay. Absolutely. They're not, you know, they're not entering personality contests. These are tennis players. Just quickly, I know you're a very busy lady. I just want to not miss the opportunity to get your insider thoughts on one thing I particularly wanted to ask you about is Amelie Moresmo mm-hmm. because she's been Andy Murray's coach now for nearly a year and um, she's particularly this this year, unarguably, I think, done wonders. He seems completely comfortable with, yeah. him, with her. Yeah. Let's put aside the question mark that hangs over how their relationship their coaching relationship mm-hmm. will develop yeah. as a result of Amelie's pregnancy because I don't think they know the answer to that yet I think they're both just going to see yeah. she's never had a child before she doesn't know mm. how she will feel yeah. afterwards yeah. about continuing to work etc but let's just look at it as it stands at the moment in Britain we don't know Amelie that well she's a very private person mm. she's done some media I think everybody yeah. finds her very likable, but we don't know her that well. What's your take on her and her relationship with Andy? And what's your perspective on her and and that situation? I think actually they found themselves pretty well because they're a lot like each other. This sense of humor, the fact that they do, they don't search for you know the lights. They like to have a low key kind of life, to be left alone, to have a normal normal kind of life. So. They understand each other very well, also about the emotional kind of thing, because she went through the excess of nerves, the, the doubts, everything that maybe Andy goes, got through at some point with the grandson. Am I going to win this? Can I do that? She went through the same kind of, not choking, but the moment where you, you can feel the nerves coming down on you and she can help him go through it because she knows what she's talking about. So I think when you see all the interacting, if he found somebody you can, we can talk to, and that that seems pretty simple, but that's not. I mean, he needs to open up, and for Andy to open up, he needs to trust the person like like crazy. So I think he was lucky to find someone he could really talk to, and he, he can tell her everything. Like, I don't feel well. I'm stressed. I'm afraid. That's going to be fine. Maybe with somebody else, it would be. Don't talk about that because that's bad. Or and so I think for that, that was a perfect fit. And she's a good listener, and, and he needs to feel that people understand him. And game-wise, she was an, attack, an attacking kind of player, and that's... I mean, we've all been saying that Andy sometimes is too much too much being back on his... On his too much far from the baseline. He should, with the talent he had, he should move for one more. And she keeps saying it to him since months, and, we've, and that's paying off. I mean, he's really a much more aggressive player since maybe six or seven months he's trusting his shots I think better he's returning finally much closer to the baseline so I think the whole mindset 
not as, hasn't been fully changed, but he got back to what he used to do maybe with Ivan and he has lost a little bit. And on his early years, too, when you remember the young Andy, he was that kind of player, super creative, super aggressive, but not losing his you know, defensive qualities because, of course, that's also a baseline player. It's in his DNA, but I think... And, is more serene. There's kind of a, a quiet thing going on around him. He's, he's relaxed. He, you can see him around. He's not, he's not hiding from media. He's not hiding from pressure. He, I think the ambition has, has gone it's back after. I mean, winning Wimbledon was huge. The US Open too. It's natural to have a phase where you're like, okay, now what, I want, what do I want to do? Do I want, still want to do the sacrifices? Is it worth it? What can I do better than winning Wimbledon? I mean, it's huge. So I think now it's back. Anything Novak winning this much, I mean, they're one week apart, they're like tennis twins. So at some point, like, okay, it's, it's a huge competitor. So I think I really pushed him back in this kind of mindset, like, you can do it, just work hard, this is going to pay off. And it's paying off, definitely. How is this? Might be raking over old territory a bit because it feels like, regardless of how people received it at the time, people have now completely embraced their coaching relationship, and you cannot deny a how happy yeah. Andy seems with it, totally. and b the results yeah. we're seeing on yeah. the court. But how was her appointment received by the French media at the time? I think it was a huge surprise. Honestly, people are like, "Oh, really?" Because Andy's a big four guy. He's not a French player, and it's like, oh, but why her? But that's, and he told me that, and he's totally right. It's, it was kind of a ridiculous first reaction because if it had been a guy with two Grand Slams and with a number one ranking, we'd be like, oh, good pick, fantastic. So that's the first kind of stereotype. Like, oh, it's weird, but it's weird because why? Because we're not used to seeing a woman coaching a guy who can be maybe number one who has won Grand Slam. So that's, that was also a, a good. Uh, how do you say that? A good point made against our own stereotypes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think he was... He, well, not think. I know he wasn't trying to make a point no, at, all at all with the appointment. But I think since the Australian Open and since what mm. he did after that, what he said on the court, he's almost... He's really embraced the yeah. the... The, the feminism totally. of it really he said yeah. after he's not shied away from being he said it's been an eye-opening experience yeah. for him how it was received he said yeah. he said he said in a in an interview I did with him in Australia he said people kept asking me oh but she can't get in the locker room and he said it hadn't <laughs> even a, occurred to him has uh, anybody ever asked yeah, a female yeah, player yeah. that when they've appointed a male coach no, never I think he was surprised because he's been brought up by of his mother is really a kind of a feminist. She's been working to, to bring girls back in tennis since ages. For him, it was normal. I mean, he, he's not gender conscious in the sense that woman, guy, he doesn't care. If the job is done, the job is done. He's watching WTA matches. He's really into... I think for him, it was like, wow, 2015, people are still... I think he, he, he also received some kind of bad remarks in, in the locker rooms and he, was, he didn't understand it. He's not a macho guy. He's not full of testosterone So he, because he's been brought up like this. So... And we know Andy, when the pride is a bit touched, he's going to attack, not in a bad way. So I think, yeah, it opened his mind and his eyes, like, okay, I own it, and you're all completely ridiculous with your critics, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And there's nothing more than Andy prefers than proving people wrong. So, but that's nice, that's good, that's fantastic news for the ATP, because for the image, it's better to have Andy hiring a female 
coach and doing this work than having players like why are women earning that much money equal prize money but we don't want to hear about it that's a better image to have a player like this who is empowering women and he's like okay we're in 2015 that's that's okay and maybe he's going to open the door too for other female coaches because Emily's doing a great job so it's maybe changing the perspective We hope. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I mean, I have no insider knowledge on this and I wasn't, unfortunately, I'm gutted to say that I wasn't the one interviewing Martina Navratilova yeah. last week, but I wouldn't be surprised if she teamed up with a male yeah. player at some point yeah. in the future. I think it's a pity maybe she couldn't really find her with Agnes Karbanvanska because she has to be a great coach. She has great analysis of the game and for Andy, she would have been great too. So I, I wouldn't be surprised maybe another, but you need a guy to be brave enough to say okay I'm going to hear BS on the locker, in the locker rooms about my choice but I don't care and it's not maybe the easiest thing to do so we also need guy players and entourage of the players saying okay here's a short list of, of coaches and throw a woman or two I mean Martina Ingis could be a, a good one too I mean Kim Kleistos why not I mean, they have all the experience in the world. They have proven on court they could be that good. And they, they were at the same period where tennis was so professional. So you can talk to them about fitness, about the sacrifices, about tactics, about everything. They know as much as a guy is going to know. So thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. We all want to hug you, Andy. Well, all the women do. Um, finally, finally, I know you've got to go, but I just have to get your thoughts on... I don't, I don't want things to turn sour between us, but the Davis Cup tie coming up between Great Britain oh and France God. at the yeah. Queen's Club. Yeah. It's, well, number one, it's going to be a magnificent occasion, mm-hmm. isn't it? How, uh, how have the French team, the French players, mm-hmm. the French captain, the French media received it being held at the Queen's Club on the courts there? Not many French players actually play nope. at Queen's. Nope. And, of course, all the British players do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Uh, obviously, it's uh, a favoured surface for a lot of the British players, but yeah. it's not exactly an unfavoured surface for no. the French either. Yeah. Honestly, it was the natural choice to go on grass because it's in Great Britain. I'm not sure it's the best surface to um, to welcome yeah. the French players because Tsonga likes grass like crazy. Gasquet likes grass also a lot and he's really good. In t- so the only player will go, who is going to be empowered by it is Monfils. Because we all know, sorry, Gail, but we all know he hates that. He can't move on it. But you never know. With Gail, you never know. So maybe on the day he can. So you're. So it's but that's the thing with yeah. the French. Uh, the French squad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They do have the depth. Yeah. The French squad can afford yeah. to say, okay, it's not Gail's surface, but, but look, we've got Songer and Gasquet. Yeah. So. But the eternal question with the French team is: Is everybody going to be healthy at this point? Because we have a story of. Injured and injuries, but also it's right after Wimbledon. Even for Andy, uh, it's going to be tough. You have to stay a whole month and a half playing on grass after a Grand Slam with all the energy and the nerves and everything. If Andy goes far in Wimbledon, it's going to be t- it's going to take a toll on him. So it's going to be an interesting tie. And for now, the French players are like avoiding the topic. Yeah, we have time. We have time. Okay, we have time. But we're waiting for a Davis Cup win since so long. I mean the British do so we've been waiting longer trust me yeah but the French are needy we want our trophy (laughs) but I don't know grass I think it's 50-50 you would have told me going back on going back on what on hard court hard court or indoor but grass it's 50-50 because Gasquet and Songa they will be used to grass for like a month and they're really good on it 
So Andy is going to be on a lot of pressure too. I'm not sure. I don't know if Ward or Edmund prefer grass to outgo, so I can't go that way. But it's a, it's not a bad surface for us. Will it come down to the doubles? Because if it yeah. does, if it's yeah, one, if it's one so. all after yeah, day one, yeah, I, Andy yeah. will surely have to play in the doubles. I think it depends on the number on the player number two and on the double because I don't have any. Well, Tsonga is coming back from injury, but I don't have doubt that he'll be he'll be fit for Davis Cup. And if Gas Gas back is fine too, we could have a really good two players. And he's going to be such. That's the key. I mean, for Great Britain, that's the key. And the end, the double. So it could come down to the double. It could come down to the fifth match too. That could be a crazy one, because. Honestly, uh, you're sure about what? You're sure about Andy being there and being strong? You're sure about Tsonga being here? I think so. Around? I mean, the world was amazing for you in, in the other rounds. We can have an amazing Gasquet. We don't have a, a natural double pair. I think you may have... A, I don't know if it's Murray with his brother or Murray with... You never know, but you have a... Murray plus one. Murray plus one. That's a strong double pair, so... Honestly, it's going to be a tough one. For I think for both teams, it's going to be a tough one. But being at home, maybe it could be 60, the thing that makes a difference. Maybe sixty forty because it's easier always to to play at home, even the pr- if the pressure can be mounting a bit. But I'm I'm quite impatient to see it because I have no idea. I'm bad to pick stuff. People who know me. Oh, know Carol, that. Carol, trust but me, yeah. you are in good company here. It is it is a running theme of the tennis podcast just how terrible my predictions are. So maybe we should rename this yeah. this particular podcast the Terrible Predictions Podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't knowing how awful it feels to be embarrassed by one's predictions, I won't put you in that Usually position. I don't make any because I know that my predictions are good when I don't tell about anyone but them. Each time I'm publicly picking something, it's I'm the jinx. I'm the jinx. I'm jinxing people weeks in, weeks out. Well, maybe I should push you to publicly pick France then. <laughs> no, don't do that to my country. They're going to deny me my passport after that. Well, I'm really pleased we recorded this podcast before the tie because yeah. maybe we won't be speaking after the, after it. Thank you so much no for being problem. so generous with your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll let you get back to work and uh, à bientôt. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm hmm. 